0: Welcome to the Independent Oxford podcast, sponsored by Story 94. I'm Anna, and along with my indie partner Rosie, we run Independent Oxford, which is a community that supports and champions indie businesses in Oxfordshire. In this series, I'll be guiding you through some of Oxfordshire's best indie journeys, and I hope you'll join me for the ride. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Independent Oxford podcast. Today I'm joined by Claire of Open Stage Arts. Hello Claire. Hi. Thanks for joining me today and uh, coming to chat to us about Open Stage Arts and Creativity Found. Yes, thank you very much for having me. So for people who are unaware of of you and Open Stage Arts and your new venture that you started over lockdown, Creativity Found, um, tell us a bit about yourself and and what you do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Uh, Five, six years ago or so, I started Open Stage Arts. Open Stage Arts are classes, drama and singing classes for adults, for fun. No learning lines, no putting on a show. I hire local theatre makers and they come and share their knowledge with us. And it's just a bit of escapism on a Thursday night, two hours to come and get completely out of normal life and um enjoy yourself and have a really good laugh. Uh, So I developed that. um, That went through a few changes until I got to the model that I now think works for everybody. Um, And then, of course, we had to stop our classes. And we've done a couple of online events, which has been really good fun. We've done monologue challenge. We've done some improv games online and stuff, which has attracted people not from Oxford, which has been lovely um, had some people from Sweden and Canada. It's been really lovely to meet some new people. Um, and then also while not doing real life classes, I started the Creativity Found podcast in which I go out or rather stay in and chat with people who have found or refound their creativity as adults. And that concept is born out of what I found while running Open Stage Arts, while meeting the people that were coming to those
0: classes. Yeah, so those classes, I I love the fact that you... um started them with the idea that there is no performance at the end. So I think there's lots of people who go, you know what, I'd love to do a drama class or, you know I did them at school or whatever or or I did them, you know, while I was at college, but I really don't want to do that end of end of term performance which just kind of makes people kind of give them the willie little bit. Um, you know, just feel a bit un, unnerved, but I love the fact that yeah, you don't do that, which is great. And so you do help people, you know, rediscover their creativity but without that added pressure. And I think also that you don't have to do any
1: homework so you could you turn up you don't know what's going to happen because I have different teachers who have different specialisms they repeat through the term but you don't know what's going to happen from one class to the next which can be a little bit scary sometimes but also that's part of the process You're like this is a bit scary oh no it's fine it's absolutely brilliant it makes no it, I, it doesn't matter if I make a complete mess of it oh actually I'm really enjoying this I didn't like the idea of it when the teacher said Shakespeare I was like oh no but actually I understand it now. So there's all of that process and also the fact that once the class finishes you don't need to think about it anymore. So you don't have that extra pressure of costumes or like I said learning lines or politics of joining an actual society and having the the politics. I think the it's the politics. Best <laughs> yeah, but I also mean the kind of extra pressure of being part of a group. And it's more of a commitment. That's what I mean. It's definitely more of a commitment than this is. This is great fun. We meet lovely people. We have great friends.
0: But it's just for those two hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. Zero pressure. Just lots of good fun. Yeah. So how did you end up setting that up? Because I know that um, in your kind of day job, you are a book editor. That's correct, isn't it? Yes. Um, So how on earth did you end up running theatre? show well Um, not show theatre courses (laughs) yeah absolutely well I was at the time I
1: was really struggling with anxiety and um it took me a while to realize that that was what it was that was why I was feeling how I was when I figured that out I went to see a counselor and there's a very specific story I did a lot of crying every time I went to see the counselor but this particular one is she shows you this circle it's a wheel of life And you'll be able to see different ones. But what they have is pieces of pie that represent your life. And those pieces of pie might be one for career or family or friends. And looking at this one, I was burst into tears yet again because my piece of pie that was me, that was enjoyment, that was just for me, I had nothing in there. I couldn't couldn't say, I do this just for me. Now, I know this is going to sound a bit... Uh, higgledy-piggledy because obviously now it's something I do as a business but I couldn't find the thing that I wanted to do I tried some other activities I tried choirs and they just weren't for me and then I was like well I'd like to do some I was going to do dance as well I don't do dance anymore because people don't like it as much as I do weirdos but um, (laughs) (laughs) so I started what was effectively The performing arts Saturday schools that kids can do. Yeah. I wanted to do that for grown-ups. Now, yes, I didn't know how to do that. And as I've mentioned to you guys before, you and Rosie before, often ideas come into my head and they just ruminate around for a bit until I try and figure out how to do it. So I didn't know how to get the teachers and I figured out how to get the teachers, went out meeting teachers, have met some really wonderful people and I keep employing and looking for new teachers all the time. Um, and then I just took it from there and I went with it. And it so it did help with the anxiety as well because it gave me another focus yeah. to start this actual process, really gave me some other stuff to think about and to get excited about. So now taking part in the classes, that's my release, as it is for lots of other people. And actual starting the classes in the first place helped me get into a calmer, comfortable, happier place
0: for myself. Yeah. I was going to say, you do, you do take part in the classes. Yeah, I you do. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't want you to set them all up and then not take part yeah. in the classes. And so I guess as well, you know, it's opened that door and it's given you that relief with the anxiety, hopefully. And it's opened the door to the world of running an independent business too, which is a very exciting kind of uh, thing to come into. So how how did you find that, you know, setting up a business from scratch um, and promoting it, doing all the marketing and, and have, wearing all those multiple hats that we do as independent business owners? How did you find that?
1: Yeah, that has developed over the years and I've got better at it and I've got systems and I've got networks, you guys, for example. So when I started, I was quite isolated, um, start to find my teachers you know that very first class I did have people booked on but I'd offered it as a freebie so I didn't know if these people were going to turn up luckily they did finding spaces to do it in I've changed the space that I do it in um, I do it up at Rose Hill Community Centre now which just really works for us Um, so I think I've basically learned stuff as I've gone along and got better at it and this leads into creativity found as well. Um, one of the things that I did start doing to help promote the business was networking. And I went to a number of different networking groups, styles of groups. And there, there are lots of them. There are. There are there, so there many are of some, them. <laughs> there are some that just didn't quite sit right with me, not my cup of tea. Um, and I settled on two, which was you guys and at the time the Oxfordshire Project, because they were very creative and they had a lot of creative people um, involved and that has helped a heck of a lot networking getting ideas from other people of how they do stuff and also through that networking I was also meeting other people that were slightly older that were trying something new and had had barriers to that perhaps previously whether that be family or finances or job um, and was starting to explore something anew new later in life so all of those things all jumbled up together gave me the idea for Creativity Found. So it's a lot of networking, meeting people. It's it's all just grown kind of organically with a little bit of a push from me with
0: the bits that I think, oh, yeah, that could work. Yeah. But I think that's what's so lovely about running an independent business is the fact that things do and can grow organically. And actually sometimes they're the best things rather than forcing an idea or or pushing something forward that you're not 100% sure about having that time to kind of, like you said, ruminate on it, think about it, you know, chat to people about it. I think that's wonderful having a community, isn't it? You know, going, right, well, you know, yes, you may be doing something similar, but what can I learn from you? What can I, you know, what information can I gather from other people to kind of push something forward, which then adds something new into the mix that complements everyone?
1: And talking about, That changing and adapting, not sticking to an idea that you had first because it's not working, that has been a massive part of my journey. I had this fixed idea of how I thought it would work. It worked quite well, but it could have worked better, so I changed. So I changed how I found my teachers. I changed the actual structure of the class. I changed how I did my bookings all of those adaptations, yeah, it's having that freedom. And what that also comes down to for me, which is a massive part of Open Stage Arts and become a massive part of Creativity Found, is not to be worried if you make a mess of it, not to be worried if you do try it and it doesn't work. Try something else. You know, in class, people will be afraid that they're gonna do something wrong in drama class. There is no doing it wrong. There's no, there's doing it differently, but there's no doing it wrong. And it's lovely to see people go, oh, God, I don't want to do this. Oh, oh, no, that's really funny. When we make a mess, it's really funny. Or nobody else thought it was a mess. Actually, this does work. So trying it, if it goes wrong to your mind,
0: try something new, do something different. Yeah, absolutely. I guess, yeah, people, we learn from mistakes, as the saying goes, don't we? So, yeah, having... Having that space to make those mistakes—well, not mistakes, are, yeah, not even mistakes, no, are they? But you do something yeah. differently, like you said, yeah. making, having that space to do things differently, and for people to, you know, bounce ideas off and, and whatnot is, yeah, is is invaluable, really, isn't it, as an indie business?
1: Yeah, I, I've had a number of podcast guests who have said to me, "Oh, the first time I tried it, it was rubbish." I
0: had this one chap <laughs> who
1: does these great pet portraits. Now he said the first thing he drew looked like a monster. I had a lady who tried printmaking. The first time she tried it, it was awful. She went back a few months later, read the instructions a bit better in how to do it, (laughs) and lo and behold, this was good. This is something I can work on. So how have you found learning how to run a podcast? I know, how bonkers is that? Um, Absolutely nothing I had any interest in whatsoever. And I accidentally went on a course that I thought was going to be mostly about video editing, which is something I was doing to do online classes type of thing yep. I was doing some video editing but it turned out to be a big class about podcast editing now it was on in a direction that I didn't end up going in but actually just seeing that was like oh okay I do understand it this is something I could build on and then purely by chance somebody else said to me oh but you've got a lot of content I thought, well, this is an idea. This is something I've just been thinking about. Let's give this a go. And then, yeah, as I've done with lots of things, I I learned about the recording. I learned about the editing. And you will hear in the quality of the podcasts from episode one till now how things have changed. First time around, I was going to people's houses with the microphone between us in our socially distanced state. Oh, yes, because, yeah, it started in the middle of... Yeah, so I started recording in January, even though... Not January. July that summer when we were allowed out a bit, yeah. <laughs> before I released in November, and now I do everything completely online. But you can hear—I'm probably a bit more picky—but you can probably hear how things have changed, and I've changed the way I do editing. And again, like open stage arts, like most things that I do, it's a learning process, and and it turns out all right.
0: Yeah, I mean, for it's, the, it's for, the pod, <laughs> for the podcast, thank you
1: for the podcast. I think it's the content that's important. So I wasn't too worried about the quality. It's the people's stories that the listeners want to hear.
0: Uh, Bonus when the quality of recording starts getting better. Um, But yeah, no, they are lovely stories. Um, I mean, how how do you go about finding these people? I'm guessing from from your network? Well, amazing, yeah. So originally, I had a few friends that I'd already
1: done blog posts for Open Stage Arts. Yeah, your story matches what this podcast ethos is, though. I'll talk to you guys first. Then I put uh, a post out on a couple of Facebook groups, RT Facebook groups, got a reply from them. And then it kind of grew a little bit from there. I'm going to say Clubhouse. That has been amazing for me. You are a massive Clubhouse <laughs> fan. Every time I see you, you're like oh, Clubhouse this, Clubhouse that. It has, it has made the world the world of difference. I've met people who are friends. I've been to meet them in real life, having only ever Have met you? them on Clubhouse. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going out with a couple in a few weeks' time. I'm going to meet them properly. Um, but because it's an audio app, it, it really works. You get to speak to people. In real time. Yeah. And I have had people from there saying, oh, I've got a story. Would you like to talk to me? So there's a lot of Clubhouse on there. And there's also what I call podcast dating apps. So there are sites you can go to (laughs) (laughs) okay, where people who want to be guests go and people who are looking for guests go. So people who want to be podcast guests might see my podcast and say, oh, Claire, I've got this
0: story. Can I be on your podcast? I I mean, it makes sense that that exists, <laughs> but I had no idea that that existed. <laughs> I don't know if Matt's going like, ooh. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'd, yeah, great. Well, I didn't even know you could find people that way. That's the, okay. Have you got any um, favorite stories from the podcasts that you've been doing? Any particular ones that stick out in your mind?
1: I've had, I have had some really touching ones. Yeah. Um, I had one lady who taught for 20 years, had really enjoyed her teaching career, but got to a point of burnout, then decided she was going to completely quit teaching and be a painter, full-time, earn money painting. She has a similar story in that she wanted to do um, landscapes. She's ended up being really well known for wildlife paintings, but I said to her, so when school finished and you were no longer going back to school, what did you do? And she said, well, I cried. I cried for quite a few weeks. And then I pulled my socks up and I I had another lady come on. She was um, up in, living near Lockerbie when the plane came down and we'd had our pre-chat. She's all very happy to talk about that. But when it got to the recording, I'm getting a little bit welling up about it now. When we got to the recording and she started saying again what she'd witnessed she she got quite upset and it all came bubbling up which was quite a it was quite relevant because her story is that she was coming to terms with PTSD much later in time when she realized that that was what she'd been suffering from and that helped her with her writing and her painting that is her creativity found story so there are funny stories there are touching stories there are good hopeful stories well they're all good hopeful stories in the end
0: because what do you think you'd be doing now had you not kind of re-found your creative because I I actually because you're quite a creative person anyway in sense of you you know you edit books so that's not exactly an an uncreative job but do you yeah what do you think you might be doing had you not rediscovered your creativity yeah no this is this
1: fills my life currently and so let me explain just a bit about the book editing. When I did, I have a degree in dance and I would have liked to have been a dancer. But while doing that degree, I was, i got my own creativity fan story here. I was looking around other people thinking, I'm not going to be good enough. So I'll come, I'll do something else. And my next favourite thing was books. So, right, I'll go into publishing. So, and I did that by just sending my CVs off Everywhere. I worked at Faber in the sales department for three years. Sales was the last thing I wanted to do, but it worked really well for me in getting experience. I wanted to edit high fiction. The first editorial job I got was was at a publisher that publishes illustrated nonfiction, and that's what I've stuck with. And it's brilliant for me. It is so much more creative because you're dealing with pictures and words yeah. and you can have an input with the author. Um so, as you say, that that is quite creative. Um, yeah, I absolutely. If you were to say to me, right, today, what would you be doing today? Because of the lockdown, or because of the pandemic, rather, I was still very busy with books. But as those book projects finished, no new ones came up. So, I literally went... this is like all petering off. At that time I'd started the podcast, it was fine. That was something that was filling my time. Right now I've had one new book come back on, but again, the podcast is what's filling my time and my thoughts for that going forward. But you're absolutely right, Anna. I mean, I'd never ever would have considered this to be so important in my life. And I am looking at other people's creativity, going back to Clubhouse again, But I'm in the creatives' rooms, and I'm meeting artists, and I do have some creativity of my own. But I also feel like I kind
0: of piggyback off other people's creativity. (laughs) I was going to say, do you class yourself as a creative? Got such a a minefield of things to kind of unpick there, I guess, isn't it? And you know, I guess everyone's got their own view of it. Yeah, would you class yourself as a
1: creative? I've thought about that, and we've talked. I've talked about that with people because the actual definition of creative isn't creating a thing i can't remember what it is but to my mind you might think that creativity means you create something you create a physical statue you create a dance piece yeah. um i don't think that's the actual definition but so in a way i do feel a bit of a fraud that but then i'm creating a podcast but i'm creating it from other people's stories but i'm weaving it around in a creative way so yeah i'm a bit not quite sure about that in my own head, really.
0: You attend your own drama classes? I do. There you go. I do, and I,
1: I still do some dance as well. Oh, and I'm, I'm in the um, oh, I'm in the parent street dance crew as well. So I get sorry. To do, yeah what? Uh, <laughs> Part of Me- Me- Messy Jam in Oxford. Um, they have a parents street dance crew. Really? Yeah, and I've been doing that for quite a few years now. We danced. Um, at the Excel Arena on the main stage at Move It, which is a massive dance and performing arts show. Oh, wow. We win competitions. And I have thought, had I done that before starting Open Stage Arts, that piece of pie would have been filled with messy jam. So
0: maybe I wouldn't have needed to start Open Stage Arts.
1: But who knows? (laughs) Yeah, who knows? Who knows?
0: (laughs) So uh, I guess, you, you know, you've got all these things that you're doing now. Do you have a typical day in in, in the office as such? Or, you know, are you... Yeah, how, how do you structure yourselves? And, yeah. and make sure you have time for yourself and, yeah, and still run the business.
1: Well, having been freelance editor for very, 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 very many years, um, I had always been working from home, which was... That was quite easy to do because the children would go to school or whatever age they were. When Charlie was younger, he would m- maybe go to nursery a couple of days or go to preschool, and I would work in those times where children were elsewhere. So yeah. children gave me a lot of... Um, a structure, I guess. structure, yeah. that's the word. Yeah, they gave my life structure, and I would go to fitness classes, for example. Um, I also now teach my own fitness class, so that gave me a bit of structure as well in that I would do four of those classes a week, Right now, um, time is a bit more fluid and again though, when Charlie's at school, I will be in my office. What I'm doing in my office depends, but I do have the structure now of guests. So every week I'll do one guest pre-chat, one guest recording, um, I'm much worse at recording than you guys are because I'll record for about an hour and then cut it down to 35 minutes, (laughs) which means a lot of editing time for me. Um, So I do have that structure and I have to write things down. I have quite a few notebooks, but my diary, I have it written at the beginning of the week what I would like to achieve and I do put it in the little squares and say this is what I'm going to do today and I put some fitness classes in there as well right now, because I'm not teaching my own ones, actually put some other ones in there. Um, So I do structure myself. But the lovely thing about that as well is that if somebody messages me and said, do you want to go for a cup of tea? Or, you know, I can go, oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) So I can get the nice bits as well.
0: Cool. But yeah, it's lovely. The fact that, you know, when you do run lots of different types of independent businesses, you can be a bit more flexible with... With your structure of your week and your day. and
1: I'm very organised and somebody um, said to me once about the difference between a deadline and a dreadline. It was Ella Barrington, actually. It was at one of the Oxfordshire Project meetings and then I met her in real life since because I didn't know her at the time. I was like, oh, you're the person that said that. So I'm very aware now of looking inside my head and saying, like, this is something... You've given yourself that's your dreadline. If it's a deadline, you have to get it to the publisher on that day, or you have to get it on Buzzsprout on that day, then that's what you need to focus on. So I can organize my thoughts around the difference between a dreadline and
0: a deadline. Is there anything that you wish you'd known that you know now when you started out running an independent business? No, I don't
1: think I'd say there'd anything that I wish I'd known because I've learned stuff along the way. I will say the wonders of software or the wonders of platforms. So, for example, I was paying someone to do my accounts because I was petrified of numbers. And then I got my accounting software. Whoa, this is so easy. I can just, and then I just click a button and it goes off to the government. So, and I've taken on a lot more, like you guys kept going on about it. Um, And I have done social media scheduling I have a social media scheduling app now and just (laughs) things like that the easy things so it's not that I wish I'd known about them maybe I could have implemented them a little bit earlier but I'm just pleased that I did find them eventually there are lots of things out there that can make your life easier as an independent business owner and an
0: independent business promoter yeah it doesn't have to be hard all the time yeah
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and And I I do have a VA as well for that I just do for one hour a month. I just have her on a retainer for one hour oh, a month okay. um, initially to do website stuff. And she's really great because I know I can say, well, actually, Kate, I don't quite understand what I should be doing here. And she has a wealth of knowledge, so she can help in those ways as well. So, yeah, get, having help from software or people that you can afford, what, whatever you can afford. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Is there one thing that you this is your kind of particular favorite thing about running an independent business?
1: Having the freedom to have ideas. I guess that's my creativity as well is like having ideas and then if I think it's worth it going with them. So just that kind of freedom to have ideas and think
0: yeah, I could try that within what I already do. Yeah. I ask you one of our favorite questions. Um do you have any particular well I'm assuming you do. Uh, do you have any particular favourite indies in, in Oxfordshire? I do because I have indies who
1: are quite aligned with what we do. Um, Cass at the Oxford Weaving Studio. She is actually one of my guests because she has her own creativity found story. Um, but her studio is amazing. The colours. I loved going to visit her there, and also because she is she is teaching workshops to adults yay so um this is how I want to develop the podcast is to give listeners a way to find a connection between what they're hearing and what they might do themselves Um, so for example I would like to be able to introduce my listeners to people like Cass at the Oxford Weaving Studio who are doing workshops for adults um, I'm very keen on um, a well-being story. Deborah
0: Humphrey, yes, she's lovely, a- Deborah. Yeah,
1: again, and it's uh, using using creativity. Um, so those are my two favourite other Oxford indie businesses because of our alignment, and I want to be able to build and help other people find other businesses like that all over the place. Because there are places that you can go, safe places that you can go to get creative yourself, to have a go and uh, make a mess of it maybe and not worry about it. And
0: to find your creativity. Yeah. If you you either didn't have any before or it's hidden and you need to kind of coax out of it. Because I think we do all have it, don't we? Yeah. And
1: you might not be sure of what it is you want to do. I'm not saying you're going to go, I want to be an oil painter. You might just want to have a little look around. Like there are people out there that can teach you um, creative gift wrapping. Or kilt making, or chocolate work. Being able to find something that you can try, see if you like. If you don't, doesn't matter. Try something else.
0: Because, what is your uh, plan for Creativity Found moving forward? Yeah.
1: So this is this is where that we're right in the developmental stages of this. Um, so that's my idea. I am actually starting a directory that can list people. Um, and this is really in the planning work right now. I'm working on the platform of of how to logistically do that. But I want people that are podcast guests, not necessarily podcast guests, to be able to share, this is something I do that you might like to do, even just to share their exhibitions, where they're showing, uh, books that can help you. So I am putting it together and making it organized in a way that's very clear for people, but that combines the podcast and moving forward, finding your own creative outlets. And I will, there will be things, for example, I've done a couple of bonus episodes. So I've done a little bonus episode with Cass and also with Philippa James, where they can talk about. The workshops that they currently have on offer. So that's the kind of thing that anybody coming to the directory that wants to be on the directory, I'll be able to say, yeah, as part of that, you get this bonus episode as well. You'll get the promotion on my social medias. There are blogs, you can put any blogs on that site. So it's um, lots of ways to to share the love and, and share the outlook of, of finding other creative souls.
0: Okay, that sounds wonderful. An online hub where you can find your creativity in some shape or form. Very well said, Anna. Love yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I think that that is a wonderful way to to wrap things up and to yeah to say to people that you know there are ways to find your creativity out there. You know, either by starting to listen to your podcast, which they can do by
1: going to their favorite podcast platforms. So we're we're everywhere on Apple, Spotify, Google, anywhere you like to listen to your podcasts. Currently, the podcasts are also on the Open Stage Arts website, so openstagearts.co.uk. And once Creativity Found website becomes a thing, you'll be able to find us on creativityfound.co.uk.
0: That is absolutely wonderful. Brilliant. Thank you ever so much for joining us today, Claire. It's been lovely to speak to you. It's been lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Independent Oxford podcast, sponsored by Story 94. You can find out more about our community at independentoxford.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and subscribe to help more people hear our indie stories. Bye for now.